talking on eggshells, talking on eggshells. That came out wrong. It did. It did. Yeah. Um, because this is live and unscripted, you don't even get to edit it. You just get to sound like that. That's I also, but I also get to have you sounding pretty disgusting because you know I went into your bathroom this morning. What happened? You got this thing in your bathroom called poo pourri. You got like two bottles of it. In one bottle, you're supposed to spray before you go. And the next bottle, you're supposed to spray after you go. What the heck is that? Poo pourri. You know I, what I'm talking about? I don't know. Or did someone else why, buy that and you don't even know what it is? Why are you reading things in the bathroom? I'm using. I'm standing up going to the bathroom. I, there's something right in front of me. What do you want me to do? Go to the bathroom. I can do two things at the same time. I can go to the bathroom and read whatever the heck poo pourri is. You can tell us what it is, or I don't, I'm not. This is not an advertisement for poopery. It <laughs> mo, the people who know know, like wet wipes. There are people who know, and people who don't. I use wet wipes, but okay, so why don't you read your wet wipes? I get, I get. Well, that's a clean, that's a cleanliness <laughs> thing. I get the after piece, right. but the before piece, I don't get. I truly don't like all sarcasm. So aside. that's how poopery works. You spray it in the bathroom before you go, and it actually kind of creates a fragrance with the water and uh i'm, I'm, I'm not lying I, I believe you and it's supposed to be kind of a blocker so that when your business you know when you drop mr brown's kids off at the pool they go in the water and then you don't they can't you know the, it helps with it's not if you're conscious of those type of things. Now you got me thinking about when we were in the when we were young and at the pool and we had to worry about those kids who would do exactly what you just said you right. went. You obviously went to a different pool than that. Nobody was. Nobody ever at any nobody, pool you've ever been to. No, no. That's. This is why we. This is why we. we <laughs> this is why we talk about how a person's experiences may be different. Like you, you were swimming in, in dookie pools. I mean, I can't. I never had that experience, but then I, I, I probably swim, swim in as dookie often, pools. Often. I swim in pools where someone might dookie. There's two. That's two different things. I'm going to play that back in my mind and see if I can find a difference. But Swimming in dookie pools implies that I know there's going to be dookie there. I go into a pool. Someone unleashes Mr. Brown's kids, as you call them. Yeah. I exit the pool. I don't go back to that pool. See how the two are different? No, I, I just thought you said you swim in pools where people do this. So that, that means that doesn't say no, I, I have been in, in a pool. pool. You didn't swim in one? Okay. But I you were swimming there anymore. Okay. Well, that, yeah. I mean, that's that. I think that's a good place to start uh, <laughs> the topic for the day. What your inability <laughs> to be neutral on the matter? I am uh, neutral. I am neutral. I just neutrally would rather not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 Today's As a matter of fact, <laughs> go ahead. Poopery allows the air to be neutral. That I'll buy. I get the after, and now I understand the before. I just didn't get it. Yeah. I never seen it. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I hope you weren't spraying it in the air because it's not that. I didn't t- touch it. it. Yes. Okay. I don't touch anything in your house. All right. Make that of of it as you will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode is actually called Neutral Zone and Fraction. And why are we having this conversation, Vince? Uh, it's one of the greater challenges that facilitators have and that people have with facilitation is, and I, when I say facilitation, I'm talking about facilitation of culture and diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging. Um, 
there's a requirement for us to be neutral in discovery so that we can be passionate in execution. Um, and sometimes that just, you know, people have an issue with it. And those who buy into it, sometimes they really don't understand what we mean by neutral. And therefore, though, they, you know, when you get on the other end, uh, such as a podcast where you're actually giving opinions, they're like, well, that's not neutral at all. That that's that that's not neutral. That's your opinion, right? But the opinion is actually formed by neutral conversations. So, over to you. What would you say there? No, and I think, uh, as you said, the definition of neutral um, is really sort of what matters here as it applies to this, um, because they'll hear something like. Even as we describe it to neutral and discovery, they'll hear that and they'll say, oh, okay. So when you're in discovery mode, people are sharing their thoughts and feelings. You, you don't have any compassion. You don't have any passion. You're just sort of neutral. You're frozen, no emotions, wooden robotic. Um, and that is, I think, where the misunderstanding starts. Uh, yeah. How would you, for the, when it comes to neutrality for the purpose of facilitation or assessing culture, how would you define it for our audience? Being neutral is basically uh, the art or act of suppressing one's own biases, uh, beliefs, uh, experiences, uh, and motivations in order to truly embrace uh, the experiences of another. Uh, neutrality is required in order to get to an understanding of what the other person feels or what the other group feels. Um, that's what it is to me. What, what would you add? I, I don't have anything to add to that. I, to make that connection to sort of where the challenge is. Some, even when people hear Vince define that, there's some people who say, oh, so you want me to suppress who I am? you know, in the, in the exploration of culture or in the, you know, assessment of a culture, uh, you want me to just leave my values at the door. I can't do that. And nor should I have to do that. The challenge is if you can't do that, you're only going to be able to truly listen to, to truly hear people who share your same values or people who you believe have been suppressed just as you have. And in diversity, and inclusion, equity, and belonging, this becomes incredibly difficult to talk about. And yet it's necessary because if what we're trying to do is change hearts and minds, we first have to explore those hearts and minds. But in order to explore hearts and minds, we really have to hear from all hearts and minds. I can't truly hear from another heart and mind until I leave my feelings, values, thoughts, and things at the door, at the proverbial door. Uh, yeah, and, and, and what I would add there is um, if I dedicate my efforts to people who already see the world as I see it, what change am I hoping to bring about? How do I change the world without changing those people who require change in the world? In order to get them to change, I have to know where they are. I have to know what changes are required. I have to be aware and therefore sensitive to those things that matter most to them and how those things came to be. If I can listen to their story in order to tell it and to tell it truthfully, their guards have to come down. 
And it's in that moment that they are exposed. In that moment that there's an opportunity for them to grow. And the other thing that strikes me about this and, and just going while you, by your last words sort of grow to suggest that you can't or shouldn't be neutral also suggests that you don't have to grow. Because if what you believe is not only do I not, or should I not have to suppress or do I not, or should I not uh, be able to bring my values and beliefs? If you, what you're exploring is culture, diversity to belonging for the purpose of change. What you're also saying is that none of your beliefs, values, or mindsets have to change. And that is what we hear a lot. What we hear a lot is, um, I'm good, um, and, and I know where they're coming from, so I really just need to get them to a place. Uh, they need to get my knowledge. They need to get my thoughts and feelings, because if they don't get that, they're not going to change. But again, that supposes that none of your thoughts and feelings have to change. Correct. And when you put limits on your own change, you you inherently put limits on those changes that you can impact. Because I can't reach certain people. I won't speak to certain people. To that point, I would say, everybody doesn't have to do this. There's room in this space for people who are full of their own opinions and their own uh, experiences and are championing those causes to those who will listen. Of course. The point being is their audience is limited and therefore the change is limited. Or their audience isn't limited, but the change is limited. Cause as you say a lot, even if they have a full house and the audience is diverse and people who need to change, if they feel talked at, or they feel like, the instructor or the facilitator doesn't have any neutrality. They'll walk away literally or mentally. Like they just, they won't even, what am I trying to say here? You said, uh, they won't even, uh, the very audience we're trying to change won't lean in because they won't see the instructor or the facilitator leaning in. Correct. I think here we are in violent agreement, you know, so I don't care that those people aren't leaning in because they aren't my audience. That's my point. Even if, even in a, in a room filled with people from all different perspectives, I know that I am speaking to people who get it. And I'm okay with the fact that some people won't get it. And guess what? The people who I'm talking about, when I say some people won't get it, they get it that you're not really talking to them. Right that your message doesn't consider them or the impact that the message has on them. Um, they don't even feel appreciated in the room. They don't feel that you're going to make any space to understand where they're coming from. So again, like if I'm speaking and my, my words are directed, directed at a specific audience, then the change that I'm communicating because the object of communication is change, is to that audience. And we're also talking about what, what Vince and I see a lot is um, when you talk about the assessment side, imagine a situation where you're a practitioner, you're either a facilitator, you're an assessor, even if you're an instructor in the space, if you don't have any neutrality, your passion and compassion and beliefs and biases and values are going to come out. 
And you say, okay, that's exactly what should happen. But what happens when that effort turns into an output? And next thing you know, the organization that brought you in calls you up and says, hey, this assessment you gave us, we can't use it. And the reason we can't use it is because we've had a number of people complain to us that you were picking sides in the room. A number of people complaining to us um, that you put all of your opinions on the table, which shut a lot of other people out. What we're getting at is it's not just in the room that there's an impact. The impact is also in, in any potential outcome. Because if people believe that they're being facipulated, if people believe that um, we or anybody else in this field are coming in with our own biases and beliefs and we're putting them out there, make no mistake about it. There's going to be some communication of those concerns and everything you've done, everything you put people through to include the people you're talking to that you, you know, your people, the people that uh, you really care about in your own words, all of that's going to have been for naught. What would you add to that? Cause we've had, we've seen this a lot. We have to consider the impact that we want to have. And when we, when we're okay with minimizing that impact or having the maximum impact on the, on a minimum amount of people, then that's just where we have to fall. So, so, so it's like I go to organizations that are willing to hear my message. Okay. So you accept that some won't. Correct. Okay. You're good with that. Yeah. But it's wrong that they don't bring me in. Is it? Because you set out to find organizations that are ready. What you didn't set out to do is to help organizations become ready. In order to do that work, you got to recognize the organizations you're going to won't be ready. Now, in a world where all organizations are ready, then all organizations are open to your approach. But for as long as there are organizations that require change, they're going to need people who can come in and meet them where they are. This gets to a phrase that Vince and I use a lot called your preach affects your reach. Um, and this isn't actually just sort of live in person like training facilitation. This is actually sort of social media too, where, you know, someone on social media in their words speaks truth to power, um, says things like, you know, I'm here for you know the people who will listen. I don't have time for people who won't listen. Well, if that's, if that's where you're coming from, Okay. Zero, zero judgment or criticism. If on the other hand, what you say is, is I don't know why anybody's not reaching out to me. What they're not seeing is any neutrality. What they're not seeing is an, an openness to be a change, to be changed, um, for you to be a change agent. But what they want is change. And what we say we want as practitioners is change. So it is factual that your preach affects your reach. The other thing that strikes me, Vince, about the neutrality discussion is when we're in the classroom with students. So Vince and I teach, uh, you know, diversity to belonging facilitation certification, culture facilitation certification. And we always put neutrality on the table because it's one of the eight tenets. Uh, always remain neutral. I think there's a vested tenant. Um, and what someone will say, Vince, is they'll say it to you or to I, uh, but usually they'll say it to you. Uh, they'll say, um, how is it that you can be neutral knowing what 
you've been through or, you know, black people have been through, uh, you know, there was, they see you as a lived experience and they say, tell me how to be neutral. Because even if I want to be, I really struggle with how to get there. What kind of advice do you typically give people when they ask you that? Focus on the impact and focused on, on the impacted. Like, who am I after? Who am I trying to reach? The object of communication is change. Who needs to change? And so uh, being neutral is essential to keeping them in the room. They're not going to get the change if they leave. They're not going to get to change if they feel that they're excluded from the messenger, from the message by the messenger. And so uh, it doesn't hurt me to be neutral in discovery. What it does is it helps me to help them. And that is my goal. To recognize that people are in a process of evolving and different people are at different places in the movie. Can I, can I focus less on where I want to be and focus more on where they are? Focus less on what I socially, where I socially expect them to be. Focus more on where they are. Now, in order to do that, I got to kind of go back in time uh, to a place that I can relate to when I wasn't as evolved as, evolved as I was, as I am today. You know, people ver- rarely come into the world uh, able to speak to issues as I can. That takes time. It takes development. So at one point, I was where they are, if not worse or better, but not that much different. Can I go back and accept them where they are in their develop in their stages of change. I think it's completely unfair for people to expect to say, well, it's been long enough not to say that the struggle should, uh, that we shouldn't be struggling right now as we are, that people shouldn't be struggling as they are right now. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that people will see what they've been exposed to. And it's not too hard to imagine a person growing up in a bubble. You may think, well, that's all over the world. But we know that social media feeds you what you look for based on your associations. There are algorithms that do that. We know that news media is is basically directed towards their audience. We know that the environment... Well, that is what it is. And people tend to live in places where they feel comfortable. So who am I to judge a person's place in life and their development prior to me? Okay, I got to ask you something. I, I think the last three words you said really struck me. And I've, what I really hear you saying, and tell me if I'm wrong, is... Um, the prior to me part means if you consider yourself a change agent and you believe the, the point is change, then, and you expect to be paid to be a change agent, you want to be hired as a change agent, you want followers like a change agent. If you have, if you have this expectation that people are going to be a certain place prior to you, why do they need you? Um, 
like if you're going to be that person. The other thing that struck me about what you said was we admit, and by we I mean practitioners in this space admit um, education has been see you know has been uh, suspect when it comes to teaching you know the things people need to be taught about these sorts of things. So to your point, if we can acknowledge that there's just been gaps in education, there's been gaps in experiences. How do we then expect people to come into a situation uh, being exactly who we think they should be? And to your point about that you said on the front end about, you know, neutral and discovery, passion and execution. Once someone puts their cards on the table and we examine those cards, we can then be passionate in what our response is, what our recommendations are. And that is exactly what we are, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we have situations where because people trust us, because we listen to understand, um, because we are neutral from the beginning, they put their cards on the table. And sometimes those cards play out to be um, good cards in the sense that they recognize you know, the problems, they recognize the negative contributions they're making, and they want change. That happens a lot. In some cases, they don't want change. But if they don't want change we're able to then be passionate in execution and recommending things that the workforce is asking for. But we can't get to any of that if they don't put their cards on the table. And if we see those cards as bad cards that we don't want to see, but we don't tie any of it to the history, the very history we recognize, the very history we complain about, where's that magic transition we expect to happen? So they come into the room, poorly educated, um, Systemic racism in terms of systems and uh, uh, people that they're around. But we won't talk to them or we won't be neutral around them because of what we expect. And yet, I don't know where that expectation comes from, given all the things we acknowledge. Am I missing something? No, that's spot on. You know, this is just, part of it is just acknowledging where we are. And the we is the they. The we is the I. The we is the you. Where are we in the evolution of ourselves? And recognizing that we're not all in the same place. But every time I enter a conversation... I introduce one common denominator and that common denominator is me. I don't, I don't understand that common denominator in what sense? So when I consider all of your experiences, they may vary. Okay. Yeah. The people you've contacted, the mentors that you were subjected to, the mentors that you chose, uh, the leaders that you served under the friends that you've had, uh, They're all over the map. When I meet you, there's the one place where I can say, this is a consistent experience, right? Like I can understand the person whose perspective you have, and that place is me. I then become the one person who can represent, who can listen, who can seek an understanding of, who can be empathetic, who can offer space to talk. Truthfully and honestly, honestly, without judgment, who doesn't introduce biases, who doesn't uh, attack or look for opportunities to exploit. I'm that consistent factor. 
in every life that I enter, that's who I am. In every room that I enter, that's who I am. Yeah, I've seen it. And so from that point forward, now I can start applying some level of analysis as to, you know, where you are and where you could be. Your willingness to change. But prior to me, who who can I point to in your life and say, this is the reason why you should know differently? I hear that question and I agree with it, but I also shudder when I agree with it. And here's why. Because if we go to most of the places you and I have been from a business perspective, you know, agencies, organizations, companies, they've had other people go into those spaces. We're not the first. But they're not me. I know that. Mm-hmm. That's and they're not us. At. That's mm-hmm. what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. But I shudder because um, part of what we're dealing with in this space is fatigue, even from people who need to change. Like the fatigue isn't just from practitioners. Mm-hmm. Right? Practitioners have fatigue because they, they're pushing for change. Uh, they, fa- they face opt- obstacles. But there's also fatigue from the very people who need to change. But that fatigue is in large part because they do the same things year in and year out. Not only are they not you or us, but what I know to be true, and it's not all, but is that a lot of people who have come before us don't enter the space from a neutral lens. Correct. They simply don't. And, and it sounds like, you know, we're propping ourselves up and everyone else down. No, we, we are in this space. We know what, what it looks like for a practitioner to go into it and to not only not have that neutrality, but to not have the hope. Mm-hmm. And so because there's no neutrality and there's no hope, it ends up being a push-pull instead of an explore, understand. I'm going to put one other thing on the table, and I, I want to ask you this. Um, when, when we talk about, you know, is neutrality good, is neutrality bad, I'm going to tell you my perspective on one particular aspect of this, and I want to get your thoughts. I do believe that there are practitioners in this space who come in from a neutral place in a bad way, but it's a different definition of neutrality than ours. And I'll give you an example. Um, when you and I went to, went to Minneapolis after the murder of George Floyd, one of the things we were told by somebody is, we don't need someone else, yet another person like you, telling us that there's two sides to the story. And they really had a, a, a sort of an impassioned conversation about how frustrated they were that a lot of people who had come before us their version of neutrality was, I'm going to hear the side of the, you know, the police. I'm going to hear the side of the predominantly black church. I'm going to hear the side of the mayor's office. But they never interjected anything except, well, you know, it looks like, you know, we're all, we, we're, we're all in pain. How do we move forward? Like that version of neutrality says, I'm not going to do anything except hear people out and then figure out how to bring us all together as opposed to being willing to hear everybody out and then be passionate in some form of execution. Do you know what I mean? Where their version of neutrality is like, um, I am here for everybody. And because I'm here for everybody, they take it to like the nth degree and there's no passion. There's no execution on the back end unless it's execution for everybody. Everybody's equally responsible. Whereas we can be neutral on the front end, but on the back end say there's more responsibility here than there. What are your thoughts about that? And what would you say to people who, who are coming from that lens? Because that's how I think a lot of people see neutrality. Uh, new, neutrality is used for the purpose of understanding. It is not used for the purpose of neutralizing. That, yeah. Making all things equal. 
identifying the common places so that we can all get along, uh, showing that we're all basically uh, dealing with the same things. Uh, Neutrality allows us to see by listening to all sides that there is indifference, that there are differences, that we're not in the same place that some people have more work to do than others. I just, when you said it's not for the purpose of neutralizing, that's going to be a, a, a post I do. I, sometimes I hate you because you just sort of simplify it. Uh, oh, that makes you a hater. But it's all, oh, it doesn't make, in some cases I could be a hater. Just like sometimes <laughs> you hate my photographic memory. Um, but I love you. I love that uh, it is not for the purpose of neutralizing. It is for the purpose of getting to a point where we can actually understand because we don't go in presuming that we understand. Even though we facilitated what, 6,000 times, 220 assessments, like we have to understand. And that starts with not assuming we understand. So, so I, well, I, I, we talked about, um, we, we don't really talk through our podcast in advance, but we do discuss what it is we want to talk about. And one of the things I wanted to address uh, and really tie this into is uh, we've gotten some feedback. You know, some people say, well, this doesn't sound neutral to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, this this is these are all opinions. Their opinions, their beliefs, uh, their attitudes, uh, their discussions that are pointed. Um, There are places of passions that are informed by neutrality. Neutrality is the way to, not the end state. Right. Again, our, our, we don't use neutral, neutrality to neutralize. Our goal is not that everyone be neutral. Or that no one has an opinion. Right. Yeah. <laughs> our goal is to ensure that we can get people to informed expression, to be informed about what you're saying, and neutrality allows you the opportunity to take in the information you need to be informed, to take in the feelings, the background, to take in the experiences, to be empathetic and therefore able to understand so that you can be passionate, so that you can say, this is what I feel about this topic. And I'll give you one example as we sort of close out. Uh, we've, done, we've done an assessment where on the front end, the workforce was fairly frustrated with, with the neutrality. When they saw the assessment, and more importantly, when they saw the action, they wanted to hug us like through the phone. Because what leadership was able to do with the results was powerful. And the people who might not have liked what was done with the results couldn't push back because they couldn't point to one moment in time where we had lost our neutrality. We get more uh, sort of praise on the back end because employers are like, finally, something's done. But the reason something's done is because of how we explore, how we understand, how we come to what resolution looks like. And then we are passionate go-getters in the execution, but not before we can have a defensible outcome. And there's no defensible outcome if we're not neutral. Up until this point, for the most part, when we have started these conversations, Chris and I, on this podcast, 
we've started from a place where there may seem like there's so much harmony and we're so together on the topic that we haven't allowed space for the all, you know, for the alternative view. Um, but it is the alternative view that informs the space that we're in. As we progress, because we're going to grow together, our audience is going to grow and they're going to grow in how we have these conversations. We'll probably start some of them from more of the raw place where you're going to see how the sausage is, is grinded and how right. we come to a place because we don't always start at the nah. same point. I think we, 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 uh, we agree to many things. But just based on our experiences, we may start from different points. We can listen to understand each other, though, and ultimately come to a place where we're like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. The goal of facilitation is not consensus. It's not agreement. You know, it, 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 and that may make people say, well, well, then what is it? The goal of facilitation is understanding because even if we don't agree, if we can understand each other, we can move forward. We get stuck when we don't have, when we lose the ability to understand, right? Like, you know, I, I water my lawn every day. You hate it. Well, the, the water runs down into your yard. If I can be sensitive to the impact even though I decide I'm not going to change my watering habits because that's what I need to do. My needs don't change and therefore my actions are not going to change. I can understand your frustration and I can do something about it. Like maybe just build a little barrier so the, it minimizes the, the runoff. Maybe add some, uh, some dirt, so, you know, or dig a ditch. So I don't, I don't have to change who I am to change the impact on those affected by it. And what I love about that example is it can seem, you know, overly simplistic, but, but here's the alternative. The alternative is I'm the neighbor who doesn't like Vince watering his lawn. I tell him, quit watering your lawn. I yell at him. He responds back like, you know, screw you. I'm going to keep watering my lawn. That's where a lot of conversations are. That's where a lot of movements are. But if we can at least understand I can understand that he's not going to stop watering his lawn, but he can understand the impact of watering it and we can find a resolution. We had someone ask us a couple of days in a class we were teaching, uh, what do you do in a situation where there's um, someone's religion doesn't allow them in their mind to sort of be open to the LGBTQIA plus community in a workplace. But the word they used initially was embrace. It's just something I can't embrace. And I just asked, tell me what embrace means. And they told me what embrace meant to them. Okay, and what are people asking you for? Well, they want us to do this whole culture of respect thing. Is res does respect and embrace mean the same thing? And they thought about it for a second. No, it doesn't. So you're, what you're saying, Chris, is I don't have to embrace this, but I, should, but I should at least respect the people. Are you willing to respect the people? Oh, I respect it today. I just don't want to have to embrace it because it goes against my religion. Quick conversation. What does it mean? Didn't have to agree, didn't have to uh, embrace, 
but have to respect people as humans. Okay, I can do that. But you have to be willing to have the conversation. And if I was a practitioner who said anybody who, whose religion prevents them from embracing the LGBTQA plus community, I don't want to talk to. I don't need to talk to. They're just bigots. If that's where I was coming from, we wouldn't have had a discussion. And they wouldn't have walked away with a different mindset. And speaking of walking away, as we, as we close out today, what song of the day are you walking away with? You know what? Uh, I don't want to do that one. Let's yeah, give us two. Way. I want to hear what the one you two. didn't want to do. The one I didn't want to do was Hurt. I love not that song. Else or Johnny Cash version. Johnny Cash. Oh, yeah, brother. yeah, a lot better. That's the Wolverine. I do have on my Marvel t-shirt, by the way. That's unfortunate. So, uh, yeah, so I like that song, Hurt. And then I would say Walk Like an Egyptian. Because we're talking about walking away. True story. And now you got Don't Walk Away by Jade in my head. So there's going to be my first song of the day. Mm. And my second song of the day is going to be If This Is It by Huey Lewis and the News. That used to be one of my favorite songs. My and I bet you can karaoke the heck out of it too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, it's such a, it speaks to your soul. If this is it. Please let me. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Okay. Uh, So we're going to close it out, right? Yeah. Um, and now you know what poopery is. I, I think that was a pretty important knowledge. Um, uh, we might have actually yeah. boosted their stocks today, and if so, I want that. Uh, yeah, they can. I want some blowback. We'll, we'll send them a cash app. Yeah. Just, uh, uh, oh, so I may, now I may, when I go to your bathroom, it may be in there. I'm, I'm okay with that. Now that I know what it is, I like the idea of it. I mean, we've already had the wipes conversation that we won't share with the rest of the world. We're, we're on the same page. I, just, I didn't know what the before was. Now I got it. Right. And with that in mind, uh, we will see you all on the other side. Uh, there'll be something else we're going to talk about, probably not poopery, but uh, you get it. Uh, we will see you. Have a great weekend. Uh, follow us on uh, Spotify. I'm losing my mind here. Apple. Yeah. <laughs> what mm-hmm. else are we on, mm-hmm. man? iHeart. iHeart. Uh, Google Podcast is oh, coming. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tune in with Alexa. We're already there. So, um, and then there is the actual website. We have a website that you can actually go to. Um, but Spotify uh, seems to be what most people yeah. gravitate to. And it really provides some good metrics. So you can see, uh, so we can see what, what uh, you know, it helps to inform us on, you know, our, our, our listening audience. So again, thank you again for your support. I know we said that. In the last uh, podcast, but we do, um, we're so appreciative of those who take the time to listen and listen to understand. <laughs>